Joharipa was now responsible for two men who saw little merit in making themselves useful. Suraj would spend hours in the fields and finish only a fraction of what he was supposed to do. He was always asking Joharipa for money, to go to the fair, to go to the market, or perhaps buy a wad of tobacco. He even started hinting he had wanted to get married. Joharipa simply scowled, reminding him that he needed to do more before she was willing to bring another person into the home. She had come to this village alone and was now living in it alone. She had no place else to go, but was surely not going to trap another young girl in this godforsaken family. She missed Thakur, her son with a heart of gold, who would write to her every few months. The postman and Sarayu were her only confidants about his postcards, lest the village rose up in arms against the absconding boy. Thakur was in the great and grand city of Mumbai. Two years after his first postcard came a small money order of five rupees. It was a lot of money. She knew that he had been working someplace. There was a return address for his postcards, but Thakur did not write more. The address began as care of. Perhaps some kind family had taken him in. She was grateful that at least one of her sons cared enough for her and sent her money. postcard, Joharipa would feel the urge to write back. She would even ask the postman to ready his pen. But there was nothing new or exciting to write to him about. Did she really want to tell him that she felt alone and abandoned? Did she want to tell him that his father had denounced the family or that his brother had turned into the village bum or that his grandmother had passed on? There was no need to share this kind of sadness. The boy was obviously working hard and earning a living. She prayed that he was not involved in any wrongdoing. And she promised herself and the postman that she would write when there was better news to share. Joharipa would pay Sharayu to help her out in the fields with the money that Thakur sent her. She saved Thakur's postcards even though she could not read them. Suraj found out about his mother's source of money and used it to his advantage. His life was now painted and plentiful thanks to Thakur's hard work and his mother's guilt. Sharayu understood Joharipa's suffering. She was spending more and more time with her and would remind anyone willing to listen that Joharipa had experienced her fair share of tragedy in life. She had earned her respect by suffering through it all. Joharipa was grateful and started to see her family as an extension of her own. Sharayu's sons were kind and respectful 
and they adored her, especially Pratap, the youngest one. He would have done anything for her, and she felt the same motherly affection towards him. How she wished Suraj would learn something from Pratap, but that was not meant to be. One afternoon, Charyu and Johariba sat in the shade of the stoop of Johari's hut. This was their time to be mothers and friends together, while the men were in the fields. They could watch over the vada from its shade. The women were planning a visit to Durga Mataji's temple for the upcoming festival of Navratri. One of the girls wanted Charyu to teach her how to embroider. Some girls played kutte with their pebbles, a simple game of tossing one pebble in the air and collecting the remaining with their other hand. Another group of girls sat braiding each other's hair. This was a normal afternoon at the vada. The wind was warm and the shadows harsh, but the sight of women scattered, unhindered around the vada was comforting. Jubhariba looked around. Abruptly, she heard the bleating of startled goats. The goat herders were not expected back for a bit. She wondered what the commotion could possibly be. Her eyes glazed above the edge of the vada walls, only to spot a line of dust approaching their village. She barely had a minute to steady herself and approach the vada entrance when a platoon of horse-mounted company sepoys made their way onto the enclave. Not only was their presence in the area unusual, they had dared to enter the enclave where outsiders were not allowed without permission. This startled the women. Their afternoon routine disrupted as they scurried about to first cover their heads and faces with their odni and then to find the shade and protection of their own homes their unannounced arrival triggered memories of the last time sepoys had entered johari's village she walked out angrily towards them the company was led by a gora sahib a uniformed white man wearing a large funny looking hat with a plume of feathers he was in uniform as was the rest of his company there were only women in the vada right now she insisted they apologize and leave and seek permission to enter their village when the men had returned from the fields standing tall head held high she had an air of authority to her but no woman had ever challenged a gora sahib this was simply not done in this part of gujarat the dry desert breeze froze momentarily and a sudden vacuum engulfed everyone in a horrified silence only the sound of the restless hoofs and bleating of startled goats punctuated the unsettling quiet this was not a good sign
The Gora Sahib puffed out his chest and let out a loud sigh, declaring he was on company business. He could go wherever he pleased. They were looking for a gaddar, a defector, but he would be happy to arrest her in his place if she continued to resist their presence. He disembarked, hoping to allow her to fully appreciate the purpose of his arrival. But Johari Ba saw this as a direct threat. She questioned him again, telling him that the women had not been warned. This was a violation of their privacy and that the company should have sought proper permissions. This Gora Sahib was a high-ranking official and would not be spoken to in this matter by an uneducated woman. Raising his voice, he warned her that she had already tested his patience. Johari Ba would not have anyone challenging the safety of her home and her fists tightened in rage as she tucked her odni into her skirt and charged towards the sahib. She grabbed whatever she could on her way. She had found a stick. With a single swift blow, she hit the officer squarely over his funny plumed hat. Thwack! The loud sound broke the stillness of the sand-off. Sepoys charged towards her while women covered their mouths with the ends of their old knees as they shared a communal gasp. The man tumbled to his knees and his company quickly gathered around to arrest Johariba. Within minutes, Johariba's hands were tied up and she was being led to Mesana to the women's prison. There were no able-bodied men around to protest or stop them. Sunaji had wandered off into the fields again that morning. There was no telling if he would return. Suraj was in Dinoj that morning with friends and was not likely to come back until later in the day. The sentence for attacking a company officer was six months of jail time. Bail was set at 500 rupees, a king's ransom for anyone from Lanwa. Johariba would have to grind salt by hand, eight hours a day until her prison sentence was over. Any form of rebellion was to be quashed at its roots. They intended to make an example of that impertinent woman. That evening, the elders of Lanwa sat down to a panchayat or a village elders' council. There were many in the village who felt relieved to be rid of a troublemaker. But Charuyo had known a different side of the same woman. She was her friend, a sister. She offered to mortgage her family's own fields to the village in exchange for 500 rupees for the bail. Her sons were not the best farmers and they were doing well for themselves as tailors. Udham preferred not to work in the fields and with her own needlework skills, they could earn the money back in a few years and get their fields back. She said she would be happy to go to Mesana herself and bail out Johariba.
the weight of Sharayu's offer shifted the balance of authority of the panchayat. Their turbaned heads came together and parted as they deliberated how to respond. If they did nothing, it would reflect poorly on the village and no one would marry into or out of the village. If they did anything, they would be condoning her actions and her Thakur's behavior. Masterji was not going to let them forget. In that moment, Lanva's women who had witnessed the event in flesh wondered what would have happened if the Gora Sahib had done them harm. After a span of inaudible murmuring and hushed voices, the panchayat took the decision. They would accept Sarayu's offer. Lanva decided in that moment to bury their ego, recognizing that Sarayu's sacrifice spoke volumes about their friendship, about the metal of a person, and that Johariba had done so to protect their own village. She had been an outsider once and they had taken her in. She had the courage to stand up for the women and the girls of her village, even though none was her own flesh or blood. She had tried to pay them back in her own way. How could they punish her for having a sense of ownership? They conceded and Lanva came together. It took a little more than a month to put the money in place. Young Pratap and Sharayu led the elders of Lanva to rescue the pride of their village, the valiant Johariba, to bring her home where she truly belonged, while Sonaji spent yet another afternoon wandering the fields.